Last month I tore the quadricept in my right leg into two parts. And the pain of that injury was mind warping. I was like those hamstrung horses that we heard about in last Sunday's sermon, just take me out and shoot me. But today, thanks to surgery and thanks to the scar tissue that my body is forming inside my leg, I'm on the mend. And my biggest complaint now is that this darned brace is chafing my thigh. Yes, I will be glad to get this torture device off my leg, but if I fail to pause and give thanks to God for how far He's brought me, well, that would make me an ingrate. And that would deny God the glory that He's due. I'd be like the boar who receives a wonderful gift but doesn't bother to send a thank you note. And you know what? The healing of this leg is insignificant compared with all that God has accomplished in my life. It's been years now since God grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and turned me around and gave me a new life. The Apostle Peter, writing to the whole church, says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. If you have been born again, you've been called out of darkness and into the light. Are you just taking that for granted? Don't you think that every once in a while, maybe when we're writing the 12th chapter of our own story? Don't you think that we should just stop and count up all the victories that God has already given us? A part of my joy and contentment in my 14 years as your pastor has been walking with you in your own spiritual journeys. Each journey unique and individual. I have grieved with you for your losses and your wounds and your struggles. I have prayed with you for your heart's desires, for a spouse to share your life with, for children to fill your home, for jobs to provide your daily bread and meaningful work, for peace of mind in the midst of trouble, for fresh winds and visions to fill your sails. For victory over old struggles and addiction. For freedom from past shame and guilt. For reconciliation in long shattered relationships. And with some of our people, I've even had the hard privilege of praying for a good death. Because we all face death. And not all deaths are easy. And because I've known your troubles and because I've been with you and prayed with you through them, I have also seen God's mercies in your lives. God's victories, God's deliverances, God's blessings and God's favor. I've seen the saints here at HVPC find mates that God has planned for them. I've seen babies delivered against all hope. 
I've seen people escape from dead-end jobs into careers that make use of their gifts. I've seen relationships restored and addictions beaten. I've seen your freedom and your joy and your progress. Thanks be to God. And maybe... One Sunday in 12, maybe we should stop and just pause to think about how far we've come. The children of Israel came from being nobodies, slaves, people with no law, no religion, no land, no identity. And now against unbelievable odds, they have a law, they have a tabernacle and a priesthood, they have a land and they have an identity and they are the chosen people of Almighty God. Don't think for a moment that God loves you less than He loved the children of Israel. And don't think that His plans for you are any less grand. Remember how far you have come out of darkness and into light. And pause every once in a while to do God the honor of writing Him a thank you note, listing all of His victories. Lesson number two. Don't lose sight of how far you still have to go. Joshua 13, 1 says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. I am happy for the sweetness of your lives. I'm happy for the favor and the blessings that you enjoy, but there remains very much land to possess. God is not done with you. There's still more to learn. There's more to accomplish. There are new victories that God has in mind for you. I want you to have a holy impatience to be busy in God's work. The fields are white with harvest, Jesus said. There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, Jesus said. There are crowns of glory for those who rescue the perishing. Are we chasing those eternal crowns? Our ordinary lives actually need not be so ordinary. There is a way of living day to day in our families, at school, in our jobs, in our communities that brings honor to God and pleases His heart. That happens when our desires are brought into submission to God. There are times every day when you have an opportunity to do either what your flesh once in that moment, or to do what your higher spiritual nature knows is not only good for you, but is good for the world and is honoring to God. Do you ever pause and think to yourself, today I'm going to drive like a child of God. Now that sounds silly, but it isn't. Today, I'm going to talk to people as though they were angels. 
Today, I'm going to act not just for this moment, but for eternity. Ordinary life need not be so ordinary. Ordinary life is meant to be endless worship to an eternal God. Don't lose sight of how far you still have yet to go. That means pausing and asking yourself seriously, what does God have in store for me today? What is God calling me to do today? What work can I do in the name of Jesus today? Some of us in this congregation need to do some serious moving on and moving forward in our spiritual lives. We need to not be content with where we are at this moment, but to have a vision for where it is that God is leading us. Yes, God has brought us far from darkness into His marvelous light, but there remains very much land to possess. And lesson three, remember the three drivers that move us forward. In chapter 12, we read, These are the kings of the land whom the people of Israel defeated, Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the people of Israel defeated them. And we also read, These are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the people of Israel defeated. In those scriptures, God names two of the drivers, two of the actors, two of the agents who make great things happen. First are individuals, people like Moses and Joshua. And second are the people of Israel as a whole. There is, of course, a third driver a third actor, a third agent that we couldn't have possibly missed if we've read the first 11 chapters of the book of Joshua, and that is God himself. And doing the work that we're called to do in occupying the land that remains to be occupied, there are always three actors, Almighty God, the people of God, and individual children of God. Let me talk about these in turn. First, Maybe it doesn't need to be said, but God's work is accomplished by God. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain, Scripture say. All too often, we make one of two opposite mistakes. One is that we think that we are the ones who do the work and accomplish the great things. And believe me, A driven individual can accomplish great things by himself. But if that work of that individual is not done in cooperation with God, if that work is done out of pride or to build a private empire or to satisfy the ego, then that work, while it might prosper for a while, will ultimately be doomed and come to nothing. It seems like in this past year or so there have been many high-profile high-flying church leaders, leaders in the evangelical and the reformed Christian churches who have crashed and burned or who have apostatized and abandoned the faith. We are all invited to participate in God's work. But let us never lose sight of the fact that it is God's work and not our work. 
Now, the second error that someone might fall into, particularly if you're a Calvinist, is to think that if it's God's work, I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit back and God will take care of it. But that's not how God works either. God works through people. God works through his people. And he works through individuals. God used Moses and Joshua to accomplish God's purposes. And those men were successful when and only when they realized that they were working for God and they weren't working for themselves. Second, God works through the people of God. And by the people of God, I mean the nation of Israel. I mean the church. I mean the body of Christ. When Joshua went into battle, he went with 30,000 men. He could not have won that battle by himself. You and I are part of the body of Christ. The church is made up of many, many people. Every believer receives from the Holy Spirit a gift for the benefit of that body. Some of us are eyes and some of us are fingers and some of us are spleens and some of us are quadriceps and working together in harmony. We have a healthy body that's able to do amazing things. We need to honor that body. We need to honor the church. We need to recognize that our call to do great things means that we do not work alone, but we work in a team. And the only way that harmony is maintained in the body of Christ is if all the members of the body mutually submit to one another out of love for Christ. Consider others as more important than yourself, is the command we read in Scripture. That means when there's a conflict in the church, we do not insist upon our own way, even if we're sure as all people are, that our way is the right way. The relationship with a fellow member of the body is more important than being right. And if we wound our brother or sister, if we wound the body of Christ through our own bullheadedness, then we will have some explaining to do on Judgment Day. Finally, the third driver in the great work of God is the individual child of God. The third driver in the great work of God is you. The church is not a club where you pay your dues and then are served by a staff who waits on you. The church is a do-it-yourself army of people. People who have been transformed by the gospel. There is an important place for every believer in the body of Christ. And none of those places is passive. Think of the church as a lifeboat. A lifeboat in which everyone gets an oar and everyone rows. Part of the excitement of being in the church is finding your special place, finding out how you can help. Every member has a job to do. 
And when we are all individually doing our jobs for which we have been equipped by the Holy Spirit, then the church as a whole becomes a powerful force for good. Three lessons for us this morning. Lesson number one, remember how far you've come. Lesson number two, don't lose sight of how far you still have to go. And lesson number three, remember the three drivers that move us forward. Almighty God, the people of God, and you, the individual child of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have spoken by your prophets. We thank you for the testimony of Joshua and the things that you accomplished for your people through the work of Joshua and the men who surrounded him. Lord, we pray that these words of Scripture might be living words for us. We pray that we might see our own lives in the light of Scripture. And we pray that in doing that, we might bring honor and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Would you please stand now and join with me in singing our closing hymn, number 448, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.